Hello everybody, this is Dr. Sam and I'd like to welcome you to another iClarity podcast. We are at podcast 89 and I'm going to address three questions today. And let's start in with the first question. This is um, Allison and she's got a variety of uh, conditions going on. So here's what she says. I've had dries for a few months with trouble driving at night. I also have astigmatism in my left eye. I think some of my symptoms are improved with beta carotene. And I would like to know what else you can recommend. I rely on diet as much as possible. I am working on a whole body detox with magnesium baths, sauna, and red light therapy. Lately, I have found the sauna a little drying to my eyes, so I haven't done it as much. What do you think? All right, I'm going to approach this, Allison, from the uh, dry eye, because dry eye represents a drying out of the entire eyeball not just the front of the eyeball. And I think that number one, it's really important to increase fats and oils. In fact, uh, I like to go with about 2000 milligrams a day of omega-3. Now in omega-3, uh, there's a component in it called DHA. And this is one of the most important ingredients in omega-3 fatty acids. Like most omega-3 fats, it is linked to many health benefits. Part of every cell in the body, DHA plays a vital role, specifically in your brain, but also in your eyes. Now, since your body can, can't produce it in adequate amounts, you need to obtain DHA from your diet. It's important for your skin, it's important for your brain, and especially for your eyes. Your body can't produce it, okay? So let's talk a little bit about the mechanism. DHA is <clears throat> mainly located in cell membranes where it makes the membranes and gaps between the cells more fluid. So it's creating this <clears throat> liquidity, fluidity, that our nerve cells need <clears throat> and they need it to be able to give and receive the electrical signals. And so when we have adequate levels of DHA, these nerve cells are able to communicate at a higher level. Now, when you have low levels in the brain or eyes, this slows the signaling between the cells and this can lead to deterioration in many different eye problems. It also alters brain function. Now DHA in the eye actually helps activate rhodopsin, which is a protein in the rods of the eyes, uh, in the retina. <clears throat> rhodopsin is important for the function of our peripheral vision or night vision. And when we don't get enough of this DHA of the omega-3, <clears throat> it definitely changes the permeability, the thickness, the fluidity uh, in the retina area. Okay, sources of DHA include things like fatty fish, fish oils, shellfish, and 
even things like grass-fed meat, dairy, and omega-3 enriched eggs. Now, if you're vegan or vegetarian, a source of DHA would be algae. So when you talk about, you know, dietary uh, things that you want to do to improve your, uh, say, the dry eye, fats and oils, which I've just uh, spotlighted, I also think that uh, just eating a rainbow diet, lots of plant-based foods, uh, the green leafy vegetables, the uh, red and orange bell peppers, which helps our zeaxanthin and uh, lutein, which is important for macular health, but also cornea as well. Endocrine is another piece to dry eye. So thyroid, adrenals, uh, these are very important to have checked to see if your endocrine system is working properly. And I think that, you know, in this detox program, if I may talk about it for a moment, one of the best investments that you can make is getting a three-speed uh, blender, Vitamix, uh, and make your smoothies, the morning smoothies. So this is where you can add things like <clears throat> ginger root and turmeric root. Turmeric, specifically, the curcumin in it is very important as an anti-inflammatory agent. And, you know, in, in 2020, one of the, the most um, troubling issues that I see in people is inflammation. And with your dry eye, this is another signal of an inflammatory response going on. Uh, and so the anti-inflammatory foods are really important. Making sure <clears throat> you're getting enough uh, of the probiotics, pre-probiotic fiber, the microbiome is so important in our intestinal health and throughout our entire body that we underestimate it. And if you're doing any kind of detoxification, remember that uh, what you're trying to do here is unblock and open the channels of drainage, okay? This is very important in any detoxification process that you may do because you wanna have those primary organs of elimination, the, the, the liver, the kidney, the lung, the colon, uh, be working well, especially the lymph system, to help open up both the, the local and systemic pathways uh, to help not only in the detoxification, but also the replenishment of whatever you're uh, going to you know, put into your body to help support. So this would be ionic trace minerals, enzymes, electrolytes, probiotics, which I've talked about, Amino acids, oh my goodness, so important, especially for eye health. Uh, basic, the basic, you know, vitamins and minerals that we get from our foods. So resolution is really going to occur in this detoxification if you include all these uh, different things. Now you talked about, um, I believe, red light therapy. So I want to talk about this because this is a therapy that is getting a lot of attention right now. It's a therapeutic technique that uses red low-level wavelengths of light to treat skin conditions, wrinkles, scars, persistent wounds. Uh, there are many different types of red light therapy. There's photo 
biomodulation. I've actually talked about that in one of my video blogs, low-level light ther uh, low level, uh, laser therapy, light therapy, cold laser, uh, uh, photonic stimulation. So red light therapy is thought to work as a biochemical response. It affects the mitochondria. Now, on my website, if you go to I, iClarity blog, I just wrote a blog about the mitochondria and how important it is as the powerhouse in the cell that produces ATP. And in producing ATP, what the mitochondria is able to do is push toxins out of the body. It rejuvenates, it repairs. So definitely the concept of red light therapy in being able to support the mitochondria is really important. And in eye health specifically, if the mitochondria are not pr uh, producing enough ATP, this leads to oxidative stress, free radical damage, uh, inflammation, and ultimately damage on the physical level, uh, whether it's cataracts, macular degeneration, and so on. All right, you also address astigmatism in your left eye. So astigmatism, now we're talking more about the functional aspects of your eyes and vision. And if you're going to improve your vision, two-prong approach. Not only are you using um, the uh, biochemical or biomedical situation that we talked about, that I just spoke about, but you're also looking at the functional aspects that change the structure of the eye. So astigmatism is when the eyeball is kind of in an egg shape. It's not completely round. And this particular asymmetry in the eyeball reflects an asymmetry, a twisting that's also going on in the body. I have had thousands of cases where a person has had astigmatism in the eye and by doing structural integration, craniosacral, rolfing, uh, we start to see the astigmatism releasing in the eye by doing body work. So what, what we can say is that astigmatism in the eye is also astigmatism in the body. And when you correct the lens for astigmatism in the eye, um, it's going to lock down the body to be unable to release and unwind itself uh, in the body. So my eye clarity program for astigmatism, I would uh, do that 90-day program that could really help you. Again, the physical eye therapy is there as a neuroplasticity training that can help reprogram and retrain the habits and patterns that have set the eyes in that position which is what the eye doctors do when you go for an eye exam. So there's a lot to unpack here. Uh, uh, Allison, I really appreciate your question, your contribution, and take care. All right, the second question today is from Margaret, and she's asking a very interesting question about the biofilm. Can it affect the lenses from cataract surgery? So obviously she's had new lenses put in her eye. She's also had a treatment on her eyelids and wondering, I would just assume that this is a inflammatory situation in the eyelids and what to do about it. Okay, so there's increasing evidence in the literature that bacterial biofilms play a role in a variety of ocular infections. Bacterial growth is characterized as a biofilm when bacteria attach to the surface of the eye. Uh, one study shows that about 50%, 56% of corneal ulcers in the U.S. are associated 
with contact lens wearers, bacterial biofilms may participate in these ocular infections. And um, this is definitely a problem. Now, um, Margaret, one of the things that I like to study because I have a more holistic viewpoint is something called the microbiome. And I actually wrote an article in Mind Body Green uh, titled, Your Eyes Have Their Own Microbiome and What You Need to Do to Take Care of It. So your concern about bacteria, we actually have a, a microbiome in the eye that's healthy. And it's a community of healthy bacteria, healthy viruses, um, different micro, microbes that live in the eyeball itself. Now, not a lot is talked about in terms of this good bacteria, but uh, researchers are continuing to discover the importance of a diverse ocular microbiome because it creates a homeodynamic state uh, that protects the eye against the pathogenic species. And we're dealing with this right now with the coronavirus, uh, whereby, you know, for, for many of us, we have a very depleted microbiome in our body, and we don't even know it. Now, there's also the macro microbiome of the earth, and we could talk about agriculture practices and fertilizers and things like that are de destroying the healthy microbiome on, uh, on, uh, in terms of farming practices. So there's not the same level of soil richness that we're ingesting. Plus, we may be ingesting fertilizers, which is creating inflammatory responses and so on and so forth. So I don't want to get too off track on uh, the coronavirus. But what I will say is that in our individual health journeys, I think more and more we need to uh, boost our own microbiome. I mean, there's more and more evidence saying that if we can boost our diverse and complex uh, bacteria in our body, and in this article, I actually spotlight the eyes, the cornea, the conjunctiva, which is the mucous membrane that's the internal lining of the eyelid, um, that this microbiome actually enhances both the metabolic and the immune functions that ward off pathogens in the eyeball. So even though you know, you've had the cataract surgery and you've probably taken some antibiotics because we have to be careful that antibiotics actually can destroy the microbiome, that there are certain risk factors that I talk about in this article. So when we rely specifically on pharmaceuticals and surgery exclusively, this actually can reduce the microbiome in the eye. So here are ways to increase the microbiome in the eye. Eat an anti-inflammatory diet. Avoid inflammatory foods. Supplement smartly. So that make, means that we want to um, make sure we get, we're getting things like uh, vitamin A, vitamin B complex, very important for the cornea, vitamin C, vitamin E, and of course, our carotenoids, lutein, zeaxanthin, and astaxanthin, and then uh, our fats and oils. So, <clears throat> and I might add a few more, if I may, zinc, 
glutathione, selenium, taurine, magnesium, vitamin D3, and of course, probiotics. Visual stress comes into this, and this is why if you're on digital devices doing the 20-20-20 rule, every 20 seconds, uh, or I'm sorry, every 20 minutes, take a 20-second break by looking out at 20 feet. It would also be very, very important for you since you've had cataract surgery to protect yourself against the blue light from electronic devices because the lens that they put in your eye, the plastic lenses, has absolutely no blue light coverage or protection, and the surgeons are really not telling you that. But you, it can lead to things like macular degeneration if you're not protecting yourself against blue light. So I think that generally speaking, you know, if you've got any inflammation going on in the eye, and the eyelids, by the way, are one of the most susceptible areas for developing inflammation. We've got things like blepharitis, meibomian gland dysfunction. This is the part of the eyeball that produces the lymph, the, the tears that protect the cornea and flush toxins out of the body. Natural eye drops can be supportive and even things like eye bright tea compresses, castor oil, there's a specific eye drop that's a castor oil eye drop that can be used to massage into the eyelids if you can get the MSM drops, the homeopathic drops. So the systemic and metabolic influences on the eyelids is profound and the ocular microbiome is also part of this in terms of reducing inflammation. So you've got some, some data here that you can take a look at. And, uh, you know, best of luck to you and thank you for the question. All right, the last question I want to address today is about visual snow. This is called the visual snow syndrome. So it's a unique disorder. And what the experience that most people will share is that it's some type of flickering. It's a continuous uh, experience of like static, you know, like the, the old TVs and you're trying to get the, the channel and you've got a lot of this white speckle, tiny dots, flickering snow. This is actually entering the entire peripheral vision uh, and these dots typically are white and black, but they can also be flashing or even transparent. Uh, initially, um, doctors thought that this was a form of migraine, uh, but no one really knows for sure the effects of visual snow syndrome. It can happen under high stress situations, and I'm going to talk about it from a more mm, integrative medicine point of view in a moment. I'm just giving you kind of the mainstream. It can definitely be disabling. So it's like, well, I just have to go lay down. It can be accompanied with flashes of light. So that could be a possible retinal detachment. Floaters, which is a consolidation of the gel in the vitreous. So we all know about floaters. Color swirls persistent visual images, sensitivity to light. Um, you may even get things like vertigo, uh, tinnitus, fatigue, 
anxiety, depression. Um, so mig migraines is a, is a symptom that's specifically worth noting that there can be a correlation between visual snow and migraines. Uh, you may see auras. Uh, so again, you know, the, the science uh, behind us says, well, we're not really sure. It could be a complex neurological disorder, a brain ab abnormality, a problem in the visual pathways. Um, and so the thing about this now, we're going to go into my perspective. Before we do that, the standard level of care right now is using anti-seizure medications, which I'm not crazy about. Certainly, it might help in the symptom area, but it's not going to get rid of what are the causes. So in my, in my journey of working with many people who've had this condition, I think the first thing to consider is three things. Our stress level, our uh, trauma level, and our toxicity level. Now, when you've got those three things going on, and let's say you, you have taken uh, pharmaceutical drugs, that's another thing to look at, being exposed to high levels of either radiation, either from x-rays, um, or the electromagnetic pollution that we're now dealing with in terms of um, you know, the 4 or 5G, uh, we, we really have to take a look at EMF pollution as part of this whole picture. You know, I actually have had patients who've worn glasses, metal frames, that are more sensitive to EMF pollution. So I think that they're what we call exotoxins and coupled with having either internal endotoxins and if we're in a depleted state, so our trace mineral levels are low, especially magnesium, selenium, chromium, dehydration. Uh, again, I need to bring up being exposed to EMFs if we're on digital devices. You know, these are all questions that I ask. And, you know, have we had uh, any head traumas in our life? And certainly the way the state of the world is right now, we're all being re-traumatized by having to change our current lifestyle pretty profoundly, uh, that all of these things can create an imbalance in the brain that, um, again, we don't know the exact cause, but if we can start doing things to create more health, I'm going to go through the list. Craniosacral therapy would be very helpful. Acupuncture, uh, getting a full battery of tests from a functional medicine doctor to see, okay, what is going on in my inflammation, in my toxicity level, uh, am I absorbing my foods? Uh, these are all very important aspects where we say we're not chasing the symptom. We're treating the whole person. And because the visual system a lot of times is the trigger point in the visual snow, using the eyes as a portal into recognizing that any symptom in the eye is only a reflection of an imbalance that's going on systemically, metabolically, energetically, in our body and treating the whole person instead of trying to uh, chase symptoms is the way to go. You know, each case of, of visual snow is 
individualized. So it's all dependent on what you're bringing to the table in terms of what's going on in your body. So these are some broad brush uh, experiences. Sometimes we'll use essential oils, uh, massaging them into the scalp, things like frankincense, a few drops, uh, a few drops of peppermint oil, a few drops of lavender oil. Sometimes because of the oxygenation and hydration of these essential oils and their uh, antibacterial, anti-inflammatory response uh, can sometimes help reduce some of the symptoms. So if you're getting visual snow, if you're getting flashing lights, you want to make sure you don't have a retinal detachment. If that's uh, ruled out, then it's rest, drinking fluids, getting to a holistic doctor uh, to find out what's going on in your biochemistry, working with a structural integration holistic therapist to help you in the area of circulation and lymph function and perhaps structural re reorganization. And if you're coming to see somebody like me, color therapy can be very helpful, especially the blue, the blue-green, the blue-purple, sitting in front of the colors uh, a few minutes, either with eyes open or eyes closed, uh, three to five minutes, twice or three times a day, can sometimes move you out of this uh, uh, acute symptom phase. Uh, I also have had success with uh, neurobiofeedback. So again, if you feel like you've been suffering some PTSD as part of the cause, neurobiofeedback can be very helpful at retraining the brain and the brain waves to be in a certain, uh, to change the waves uh, into a more uh, kind of meditative, as we call the theta, theta waves. Uh, so that would be something else to consider. So it's a great question. I don't have a cookbook answer for you, but certainly um, something to uh, think about in terms of these different modalities. Well, everybody, I think I'm going to sign off. Uh, I want to thank you again for joining me. If you've got questions, you can send them to me through my web uh, website. Uh, appointments at drsamburn.com through Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, TikTok, YouTube. I'm on all the, the, the best channels, Dr. Sam Byrne. Uh, just look me up. Uh, again, thanks for following me and uh, look forward to seeing you sometime down the road. All right, everybody. Take good care. You're listening to a podcast with Dr. Sam Byrne. To learn more about his seminars and workshops, visit his website, www.drsambyrne.com. The Byrne Method is a trademarked signature of Dr. Sam Byrne for his workshops, seminars, books, and DVDs. The information presented in this podcast is in no way intended as a substitute for receiving professional medical care. The design and purpose for this podcast is to provide information for educational purposes only. Dr. Byrne and his guests have no liability or responsibility to any person or entity for loss, damage, injury caused, or allegedly caused through the information, exercises, suggestions, explorations, or written responses presented in this podcast. 
Dr. Byrne is not a medical authority and his guests are not qualified to diagnose or treat any disease or health problem. This podcast is not a substitute for medical care. Dr. Byrne's information is only his personal opinion. If you have any health problem, please seek medical care for whatever condition you may have.